Now, within the Bitcoin community, there's a philosophical debate about the best way to scale. So you're talking about working on a layer two solution in which we might set up a payment channel that settles on the blockchain. Others say, why not just widen the lanes for all these cars to go through and then we could have our confirmation done right there on the blockchain and no need for all this additional software. So one thing I love about the Bitcoin community is everyone is very passionate. They may not agree, but they're always passionate in doing so. If something like increasing the block size would be like adding additional lanes, lightning would be like teleporting from one part of the highway to another because you can do so instantly. And that's part of what makes it so powerful. Down, price down, don't be scared now, your boy's up in the house. Yeah, and bitcoins are what I scoop up. You wanna touch my my friend, me up the shoot ya? So never be scared. The market's full of bears. But I'm a bull and I'm bullish, you know I'm not foolish. So yes, we gon' do this. Welcome to Noted Podcast episode 0.5.0. I'm here with my co-host Michael Goldstein, Howdy. also known as Bitstein. How are you, Michael? I'm doing fantastic. Today, our guest is Jack Mahlers. He is the creator of the Zap Wallet. Jack, how are you? I am fantastic. I'm a huge fan of you both and Daniel at the Nakamoto Institute, so it is an honor. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. We... Uh, we, we are fans of you because you're doing something that few people in Bitcoin do, which is actually build on top of Bitcoin <laughs> and try to extend its capabilities rather than just uh, staring at the price chart. I do that too, though. Or being on Twitter all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in all fairness, uh, we probably you know do all three. Uh, so <laughs> we wanted to get you on because... Everyone's talking about lightning. Uh, it's kind of in, in, you know, hearing about it from certain people. I get the impression that it's a silver bullet to scaling, to uh, resolving this debate that we've been having within the community about the block size limit, and uh, you know, presents an opportunity for Bitcoin to be used in a trustless, you know, full reserve banking manner on a retail level and by more people than would be allowed with just a one megabyte block size limit. So I guess my, you know, if we could open up with a discussion about what is lightning kind of where did the uh, project originate from? I know there was a white paper a few years ago now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so do you want to give us a quick rundown for an audience that knows what Bitcoin is? but might not be all that familiar with Lightning. Sure, sure. So when you leave me open-ended like that, you got it's your responsibility to cut me off if I ramble. But uh, No, actually, we our number one compliment for this podcast has been that we let our guests ramble. <laughs> okay. Cool. And so we will honor that today, and I, I want you to go. Perfect, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, so Lightning is uh, what's known as a Layer 2 scaling solution. One of its unique features is that the you know transactions are a lightning transaction is not uh, on the Bitcoin blockchain and it's on a separate layer. Uh, The white paper was proposed by Joseph and Taj uh, a few years ago now, and there are several implementations. So it is a protocol. It has a spec, uh, the the bolt spec, and there are 
three active implementations, one by Lightning Labs, which is Elizabeth and uh, Dr. Beef, as we call them, Roast Beef. Uh, there is Rusty working at Blockstream with Christian Decker, and then there's the uh, async folks, I think, in France. And yeah, it, it um, so for the folks at home that may not be too technical, a, a traditional Bitcoin transaction has to be known by the entire network, um, which is a very important feature. It's what keeps it, you know, decentralized and the fact that you can um, self-authenticate and verify yourself, but it's really inefficient and it doesn't scale well. Um, a lot of these like, you know, blockchain is great, but Bitcoin isn't. Blockchain is actually terrible. It's not good at all. It's good at doing one thing, right? So how we can scale this in a way to not kick anyone off of the network where everyone is free to download, you know, this data size that is growing rapidly already as it is. We don't want to increase that and afford to be able to become part of the network and verify themselves. But how we can also scale these use cases in a way that a lot of the fees and inefficiencies, excuse me, that come with the blockchain don't price out, you know, some of the merchant or consumer adoption or machine to machine payments, whatever the case is, um, allow, you know, a lot of these innovative ideas people have had for a long time, allow them to be possible. So what Lightning attempts to do is that the payments aren't broadcasted to everyone ever, right? And you're not storing any everything that ever happened of all time. That's really expensive. You establish these relationships with your peers where you agree on you know, a specific rule set and you kind of update a, a ledger within that relationship of just you two. So you know, I can have a relationship with Pierre and Pierre has one Bitcoin. I have one Bitcoin. Uh, I do. I mow Pierre's lawn. Now I have 1.5 Bitcoin. Pierre has 0.5, and we can uh, update our personal ledger, and we can use the blockchain as sort of a referee to handle any dispute in a trustless way. But we don't have to go to the blockchain until you know we want to go back on chain or to handle any dispute. So it's a lot more efficient. We're handling, you know, these more point-to-point -point links and singular relationships as opposed to, you know, a relationship with the entire network at all times and a data set of everything that's ever existed ever. Awesome. Yeah. When I was doing some research, I found it fascinating the solution they've come up with to prevent people from sending, from, from kind of finalizing or closing the uh, payment mm -hmm. channel with a contract, not the last one that was agreed upon, but one before that might be more favorable towards mm -hmm. them. Uh, can you go into how uh, this, the clever solution that was devised there? Yeah. So C CSV, I think is what you're referring to. So basically if Alice and Bob, uh, our traditional A and B have a channel, uh, Alice has one, Bob has uh, one Bitcoin, Bob has one Bitcoin. They perform a transaction where Alice now has two, Bob has zero. Bob tries to publish the previous state that it was one-to-one, -one, now claiming money that Bob doesn't actually have and publishes that to the network. What, what happens is when you update a lightning channel state, um, you exchange revocation you know, data so that when you try and close out these channels, there, there's actually a ticker that counts down in order for these you know, transactions to be valid on the, on the network. And it, the ticker is counting in blocks. So it's you can't really cheat it. Um, and so then what happens is when this revocation data is exchanged, the, the party has cryptographic proof and ability to you know, claim private key 
of this falsified state and can not only sweep the funds that they have for themselves, but they can actually sweep your funds as well. So you're disincentivized to even try to cheat. It, it's it's like committing suicide almost. These are uh, the rules like this, you know, exchanging this revocation data is, is some of the rules that, you know, have to happen with lightning payments, right? How this stuff works. Um, like if I were, you know, hey, Pierre, um, you know, here's my lightning transaction. I'm sending you a Bitcoin, but I totally forgot the revocation data at home. I'm sorry, man. Uh, you Would you mind just trusting me for a second? Then I would be able to broadcast falsified states. So that 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 data and the time lock on the transactions when broadcasted is one of the really clever ways it prevents people from broadcasting false state. So what, what you just described is kind of people trading between each other. Mm-hmm. The, the the problem that quickly develops is, you know, money kind of like flows in circles. Like I, I never really pay my employer for anything. So we need a a, a system where you can have routing between different channels. Do you want to describe how Lightning does that? Or like a multi-hop? Yeah. So, you know, like if uh, otherwise, if it's just my employer paying me and then me paying other random people, mm-hmm. then we never really uh, have any efficiency in uh, not settling on the blockchain. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can do my, I do my best at all of these. Uh, There's certainly much smarter people. It, I'm an expert depending on who's in the room. But so, so multi-hop, one of the tricks with Lightning is that nodes on the network need to stake liquidity because uh, the Bitcoin. So if I have a relationship with you on Lightning and you have a relationship with Michael, I want to send Michael a Bitcoin over the Lightning network. Uh, the Bitcoin that I actually transact the, the Bitcoin that's coming from me is not actually landing in, in Michael's node. It's your Bitcoin is you're fronting a Bitcoin on behalf of me um, and accepting some fee in return. But you have to have a liquidity staked in order to route, you know, the payments. Right. So you need to have at least the amount that I'm looking to forward to other nodes. So when people think like, well, on chain, you know, fees are so expensive and I won't be able to open a channel with everyone. Um, you won't have to. If the network topology is correct, you know, the scale-free network uh, topology that we're expecting, nodes will be able to route payments if there's enough staked liquidity on the network. Let's get into your project, which is building on top of the LND uh, Go node software, would you call it? Um, mm-hmm. The daemon. Yes, developed. Do you, do you want to describe kind of um, how LND, like, Who's developed? Who's working on it? There's actually, a, I'm sure Jack will tell us this. There's, there's a few different lightning projects going on. And if you could tell us a little bit about who, who's making what and and what each piece of software, what role they play, and why isn't everyone working on the same uh, project? <laughs> um, yeah, sure. So uh, the three popular implementations are async, which is uh, in Java. Well, I, I think async is the application or I'd, maybe Eclair is the company. Uh, I get them confused, but uh, they have an implementation. I believe Eclair is the implementation. Okay, cool. Yeah, so they have a Java imp- implementation and an app you can download for Android on the Play Store. Um, and then Blockstream has C Lightning, um, which uses Bitcoin D as you know the backend core. And then we have Lightning Labs implementation, which is Lalu and Elizabeth, which is written in Golang. And they are a funded startup that's focused specifically on Lightning. And they actually have a lot of cool things that they're working on. 
they also recently submitted a BIP proposal for a new light client that, you know, has more consumer facing light client SPV stuff in mind. So yeah, there's a lot happening behind the scenes. Why there are multiple implementations? That's a good question. I think it's more opinion. I don't know if there's a correct answer to that. Uh, I'm not totally sure. Uh, I mean, it is a, a protocol with the, just the same way that there's multiple uh, Bitcoin implementations. It's just a protocol with a spec and, and you're free to build your own implementation. I think, too, is it the fact that the, the lightning daemon isn't as um, consensus-based? Like, it's not as, as consensus-critical changes to it? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... You know, in Bitcoin, in Bitcoin, it's there are certain risks of using different implementations or diversifying uh, development focus uh, because of uh, the consen- these these critical consensus issues. But we can imagine, you know, once lib consensus finishes, you know, eventually it'll be easy to break out and and use uh, lib consensus in the background, and people will making be making all sorts of implementations of Bitcoin that just use that so likewise you know lightning they can make as many as they want and just as just like we have uh many chat clients that all well they used to use jabber back in the day i guess everyone's moved away from that but um same thing or email mm-hmm. or uh likewise sure yeah no i 100 percent agree so h- how did you choose which implementation to build on or was it kind of just De facto, you were more comfortable with Golang? Or- yeah, so um, I actually, it's so hazy how I got into Lightning in the first place. Um, I prefer... Actually, you know what? Sorry to interrupt, but let, let's rewind. How did you get into Bitcoin? And let's <laughs> Who are you, Jack? Yeah, who are you? <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah, I got into Bitcoin through my parents, which uh, is rare, I think. It's usually the other way around. Um, I was... 18, 19, when my dad first got into Bitcoin and the Mallers family is all finance history. All, they're all professional histories, finance, dating, back generations. So Bitcoin, when my dad came across it, it made complete sense as a form of money. And he used to trade currencies, you know, in the CME SIBO pit for years when he was my age and it, and it clicked for him. And at the same time, I had just written like my first Hello World program. And dropped out of college, was very lost at the time. And Bitcoin, Twitter, and Reddit, and you know all these online places where it became quick home for me. Uh, so that is how I got into it. In 2013, I came home from a coding course, and Andreas Antonopoulos was in my living room, which is to this day, uh, you know, one of the best days of my life, as I got to sit in my own home and hear him tell me exactly how this thing was going to change the world. And then at that point, it's pretty simple uh, to go down the rabbit hole and, and not, not look back. So that's my intro to Bitcoin story. Were you doing any, um, any kind of Bitcoin development before you got to Lightning or is that your first foray into Bitcoin development? It is my first. I, I flirted with, I wrote this software that uh, allowed me and my friends to gamble trustlessly on chess. So I grew up a nationally ranked chess player, and all of us love to go play. All of us serious players love to go play in the parks in Chicago, you know, just for dollar bills. And, you know, we have fun and hang out in the sun. And online, we couldn't do that, obviously. You know, if I beat someone or vice versa, you know, the loser can just log off and they don't have to PayPal me whatever $5 or whatever the case was. 
So I built, you know, using multi-sig a way for us to enter into, you know, a Bitcoin transaction agreement. And the third party was just some software that would check the API and determine the winner and send the funds to, to the correct person. Um, so I did build that, but it obviously didn't work because it was all on chain. And it got very expensive to play chess, which is what, you know, got me reading the lightning paper in the first place is, you know, Bitcoin is this financial instrument and it's great. And it's the best form of money of all time. But a lot of these other use cases like application use cases, are they going to end up being priced out? Are they possible? So I flirted with Bitcoin development stuff a little bit as projects, but not anything to core or, or you know, contributing to lightning. It was more just personal stuff. Awesome. So when you read the Lightning white paper, you found it like, okay, this could definitely enable my chess use case. <laughs> yes, exactly. Actually, exactly. I love building stuff that I use. I think it's the best way to build a product. But yeah, I think also um, I'm going to use this you know, time to say that I'm not necessarily bullish on Lightning and a specific use case. I have no like, you know, business, you know, model in mind or necessarily vision. I'm more bullish on leaving, you know, the Bitcoin consensus rules and protocol alone um, and erring on the side of caution as we scale. And I think that the Lightning Network, if it works, you know, and I obviously do think it will, or else I wouldn't be working on it, but will be very important in not only scaling Bitcoin, but it'll be very important in showing, you know, the processes that we go about at, you know, flirting with these second layers or side chains or, or whatever the case is. Yeah, that, that brings to mind, have you heard of any proposals that are like Lightning, but purport to have some sort of advantage or um, something superior to, to Lightning? I've certainly come across papers. Uh, nothing comes to mind off the top of my head. I know that Eric uh, Martindale, I think is his last yeah. name, uh, previously at Blockstream, is working on some Layer 3 stuff, which is probably way over my head. But nothing comes to mind. I know there's a lot of interesting stuff that is being built within Lightning channels. So Taj wrote a paper called Discrete Log Contracts, which I, you know, I need to read for the 30th time because anything that that guy writes is so brilliant and it takes me a little bit. Um, but essentially allowing people to do you know, multi-sig transactions that I was talking about on the Bitcoin blockchain where we can kind of trustlessly agree on you know, a bet. He uses futures uh, currency trading in his paper example, um, but we can do it within lightning channels now, right? So this can scale infinitely better because you're not going to the blockchain to, you know, s settle these, you know, trustless agreements. There's actually the Oracle can interact within a lightning channel, which is cool. But that's all I'm aware of at the moment right now. I'm pretty focused on making sure that lightning can be used um, in an easy way and, just trying to get my hands dirty and helping Bitcoin get over the scaling hump. <laughs> so uh, making Lightning kind of easier to use, you know, that, so you're creating this wallet and I started running it and it looks fantastic from a design perspective. Oh, thank you. The challenge then is like when I actually tried using it, it was, um, you know, like these are new technologies. And uh, the, so how has it been trying to like educate users or where, where are you in the process or where are you in your mind um, regarding what Lightning's maturity is? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so my background, if I even have one, is definitely in product. So I don't know if you guys are the audience is familiar with uh, folks like Jason Freed of Basecamp or Ryan Singer. These are really product-focused minds in Chicago. And I learned a lot in my teen years from product, and I'm really excited to work on it with Lightning and just how this technology should make people feel, the relationship they have with the screen, the relationship that they have with Lightning itself. Do they need to know what a channel is? Do they need to know what a peer is? Do they need to know what SegWit is? What, you know, there's different types of outputs. And flirting with that and getting it in front of people and experimenting. So Lightning's maturity, uh, I was talking to a reporter last week, and uh, I think it was the... Steve Jobs or Bill Gates, one of the moguls said something along the lines of, you know, people overestimate what they can accomplish in a few years, but vastly underestimate, you know, what they can do in 10, I think was the quote. And I feel the same way about the Lightning Network is there are some really, really brilliant people. I am not one of them. Smartest people I've ever come across that are working on technology that will simply change the world if successful, right? And with that being said, I would hope that the community is like, take your time, be careful. Do you need any water? Do you need a hand? But it seems the reaction is more like, why wasn't this here yesterday? Did you see what Roger tweeted? So Lightning's maturity, it's certainly, it is out of this world impressive that two years ago, I think it is two years ago, uh, a paper came out and this is not a company, um, Lightning is a protocol that's open source and people just have ideas and hack for fun. Some people are self-funded, others like myself aren't. And that years later, we are now testing on mainnet with real money in, in a payment you know, network that offers incredible efficiencies compared to traditional financial system. That's incredible. But with that being said, um, as far as it changing the world uh, and is it mature enough for someone like yourself to download it and immediately get it? and be sending zapping payments all over the place? Uh, not yet, no. I would, I would say we definitely have many months, you know, at the very least, and realistically probably um, a year or two. So how are you finding the time to work on this versus, you know, other projects? I'm sure, you know, you, you're, you're, you're not monetizing this yet. So how are you buying those stakes? Yeah, I don't think I will monetize Zap the wallet ever. Um, and that we can go into a different conversation on, you know, venture capital and stuff. Uh, I have my opinions, but yeah, I used to have a traditional nine to five and I didn't have much time, but, uh, because of, you know, Bitcoin, I can afford a little bit more financial freedom. Now I do have, uh, a project that I'm working on that is more what I would call my job, but I don't know, man, it, it's just, what else would you rather spend your time on? Right. Like if you're a Bitcoiner and you love it and you believe in it, uh, this is it. Uh, opportunities like this only come once. I don't even want to say once in a lifetime. Once in who knows every few hundred years. So every waking moment. Yeah, I, I've said once in the history of humanity. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Because you know the last time this happened, it, the last time this happened, this happened with gold, right? It's just that I, that process took several generations. Uh, we're seeing it take, you know, years and mm -hmm. we're only we're, we're not many years into it. And yet it's 
on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. Everyone's freaking out about it. Uh, and we've barely gotten started. So yeah. uh, it's astounding. Yeah, it's a thing. I mean, Bitcoin is is only nine years old. And for most people that are active in Bitcoin, you know, they weren't there on, you know, the day Satoshi released the, the white paper. We all came at some time. Mm-hmm. Most people, some of the some of the developers have been in, you know, even longer, but some of them even shorter than than us. But they, you know, we, we got in, you know, anywhere from 2011 to 2014. Um, so to think all of this stuff has happened uh, in such a such a rapid time, it's pretty incredible. Uh, a question I have for you is, uh, what are some of the the coolest use cases that you've you've gotten to sort of seen and practice already by by in, in testnet or mm-hmm. otherwise? Yeah, I really think that merchant adoption is very interesting. Uh, I think it's closer than people think. Um, and I think that it offers many efficiencies to both parties, the consumer and the merchant. And it is the most realistic lightning use case that I see happening within a year or, or two. L- let me give you an example. Someone like uh, Venmo or Square, you know, so, okay, so Square now is, is uh, doing their Bitcoin, um, you know, their ty- a broker, almost like Coinbase, right? Uh, Square also has this merchant tool. And they're routing tons of U.S. dollars around all over the place. Um, and I'm sure that they're paying tons of fees and, you know, banking relationships can get strenuous, I bet. Um, if Square can afford to have their merchant tools that they're setting up, accept Lightning, be able to generate these QR codes, listen, you know, for these invoices to get paid, and that, you know, their mobile application for consumer can support Lightning and maybe not every single user needs to run a node on their phone, maybe Square has, you know, some centralized, you know, nodes or something, and there's, you know, a bit of sacrifice for decentralization, but the efficiencies that that would offer um, to merchants that are, you know, paying these large, large fees, or just, you know, mom and pop shops that are paying three to 5%, um, Lightning is extremely, extremely, extremely efficient and, you know, cheap compared to these, you know, traditional finance, you know, credit card processing you know, ways to accept money. And then for the consumer, it's so much easier to send lightning payments and to not have to route money through banks and even disputes that are handled like chargebacks, for example. If uh, Netflix wants to expand uh, business to Africa, but they can't because, you know, credit card fraud and chargebacks rates are way too high. There is no fraud in Bitcoin and there there's no chargebacks in lightning network. It's either you have the Bitcoin and you know, you're able to route the payment or you don't. It's very atomic in that way. So, yeah. And that unlocks business models too and revenue models, because if you're Netflix, now you can do it by the hour. That way you don't have to like worry about paying a monthly bill that might be too large for you as a consumer. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for Netflix, it makes economic sense for them to have kind of a pay per view. 100%. I, I think, uh, Andreas talks about this all the time is this idea of streaming money. It will definitely change the way that we think about money and how we transact on a day-to-day basis. Uh, not only how instant we can send payments to each other, but the size, you know, like you're alluding to, we can send even millisatoshi, I think. Um, but fractions of a penny um, can be routed. Like it, I could get a salary paid by the second 
I don't have to wait for in real time, in real time, right? Like how much is my time worth per second as opposed to two weeks? Uh, it can totally change the way that, you know, streaming video on the internet totally changed the way we see YouTube and, you know, we're on a hangout ourselves. Um, if we can start to stream money over the internet, uh, it could be interesting. So who knows, who knows what can happen. And speaking of the Netflix example, if I remember correctly, roast beef had developed some sort of sort of a Netflix style uh, lightning app at one point where mm-hmm. he had to he had to dig into the uh, MPEG codec in such a way to be able to stream it in such a way to work with lightning. Uh, but he was able to do it. We'll, we'll see if, you know, something like that actually pops up. But we can actually start thinking about those things now. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, roast beef. As I recommend for the highly technical users, he has a slide deck that he published of his talk. I think it's called uh, Dash Dash Payments. It's an acronym for something, but yeah, it's about you know using Lightning to pay for media streams. Um, so that stuff is certainly interesting. Obviously, the content, you know, micropayments for content on the internet to route around advertising and maybe disrupt, you know, that service. So 100 percent. So if there's someone who's, you know, you a few years ago is listening to this podcast and they're wondering, okay, well, this sounds awesome. How do I get involved? Uh, they might might have a little bit of programming background, but what, what would generally be your advice, both on kind of the technical, like what programming language should I learn? Mm-hmm. How do I learn it? And then on the entrepreneurship side of how, how can I make this happen? How can I bring together the resources? Yeah, I highly, highly, highly recommend talking to people. Asking questions is the best way to learn, especially in this space. It has, you know, the lack of resources, not that it's anyone's fault. It's just such a new space and it moves so fast that I highly recommend getting on Slacks, getting on IRCs, getting on Twitter. Um, The amount of questions I ask a day to people like Roast Beef, I can't even count. So that would be my recommendation is to get online and interact with these people and there's always someone smarter, especially in this space in particular. The, you know, so uh, as far as programming languages go, um, it, I guess it depends on the use case. I would probably recommend C++ if you want to be a Bitcoin developer. Um, but Zap, for example, is just a really thin UI layer. And if you want more consumer-facing product uh, stuff, that's JavaScript. Um, so again, just getting out and talking to people and giving them the context necessary to help you, uh, contrary to popular belief, this community is actually amazing and the people in it are fantastic. So if someone wanted to contribute to zap, do they, uh, they, they, they go to your GitHub repository mm-hmm. and you, the prerequisite would be that you have some react JavaScript knowledge. Yep. Uh, it is React Redux and Electron is the stack. Um, yeah, that's it's really that simple. I, we're starting to see a little some some more developers coming to Zap. I knew in the beginning I was going to have to bootstrap it, and it was going to be a little bit of a of a brute force mentality just to try and you know get these videos in front of people's faces where they go, oh my goodness, like this is very cool. So come to the GitHub, create an issue, submit a PR. We'll go from there. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so I'm looking at in the Zap app and mm-hmm. on the menu on the left, I see wallet, peers and channels. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think the place to start would be peers, right? Yep. 
do you want to describe like what a peer is, what a node public key, uh, an IP address is? Yeah. If someone was digging around this app to orient them a little? Sure thing. So um, peers are just the peers on this network. So it is a network and the relationship is, you know, over TCP. So you just need to know the IP address of that node and you can establish this relationship um, with the IP address. Uh, and then from there, you open channels with peers. So Lightning also, Lightning's great. I met, heard you mention though earlier that it's a silver bullet, which I don't think is true. For example, nodes need to be online. I cannot send a you know payment to a node on the other side of a channel that's offline. So you need to establish a relationship with these peers that are online on the network. And then from there, it is how you can open a channel. And so if you're a person at home and you're running this on your desktop, is is it going to get screwed up by the fact that your public IP address is not your local IP address? So you got to set up some kind of... Yeah. No, um, so you only need to... You can set like external IP and, and share your IP if you want incoming, uh, can, incoming channels and incoming connections. But you can totally be like an outfacing node that only establishes connections, you know, so if, if I'm a consumer, I do, I would want, or if I, excuse me, if I'm a merchant, I would want consumers to reach out and connect to me and open channels with me so that they can, you know, pay for my services. But uh, I see, you know, where you're coming from as a user, you know, do I need to publish my IP address? That can be dangerous. Do I need to set up, you know, some type of, a, you know, VPN or something that gets hairy? So no, you don't have to, only if you want incoming connections. Uh, we're actually working on a feature where all of this stuff that we're discussing actually gets abstracted into a visualization map so that you can kind of like scroll through what looks like, you know, a map of the US, or like a map of the Lightning Network and click on little circles and they'll just connect and open for you and you won't need to paste in any long cryptographic strings or any of that type of stuff. That's excellent. Yeah. So... Would you have to, so if you're trying to send a payment to your friend, mm -hmm. uh, you'd have to find him on this map? Uh, yeah, you'd be able to search filter. So um, okay. you can also set nicknames for your nodes as well. There's there's a ton of features. Um, it's, it's baby steps uh, with this stuff. But yeah, you would be able to kind of set a username almost for your node and be able to filter search through the map. Like where's Pierre at? And, you know, highlight Pierre, click on Pierre channel open with Pierre um, without having to fill out any forms that have to do with public keys and IP addresses. Gotcha. <laughs> so these are just symptomatic of early days. Uh, and really, if anyone's listening now and you think that, well, you know, this is kind of technically above my skill set, I would encourage you to jump in headfirst anyway. Mm -hmm. And like Jack was saying, go on the Slack and ask people questions there if you get stuck. Uh, so that you can be experimenting with this technology. Because I think that even even with Bitcoin, you know, people today are like, oh man, I wish I'd gotten into Bitcoin earlier. My life would be so much better. I'd, I'd, everyone knows more than I do because I got in so late, et cetera. Well, you can run ahead of that if you think that Lightning is going to be part of the future economy uh, and get in now. Um, I know that the financial upside isn't there like getting into Bitcoin was in the early days, but I think that the professional upside and uh, the intellectual upside is definitely still there. Oh, absolutely. Clearly. I mean, 
if this technology is going to be, you know, what we think it might be, uh, having the skills to work with it, you're going to be able to, you know, go work for Square and help them get their, you know, entire lightning operation set up. Um, I, for me, it was, it was seeing the, the first test on mainnet. That is what instilled enough FOMO in me to go download uh, Zap Wallet and get, in, get it going. And I, I got to do my first testnet payment to the, the async uh, uh, Starblocks website. <laughs> Incredibly fast. It was, it was everything I could hope and dream for uh, setting that up. And uh, you, were, you were kind enough to help me through uh, some of that stuff because I went on, yeah. like you said, got on Twitter and asked you questions. Um, and made it happen. Yeah, a lot of the work that I do as far as posting videos and stuff is I love that story because that's exactly why I do it. There's this type of network effect almost that needs to happen for Lightning um, where either merchants need to start accepting it, but they're going to want to because wallets and consumers want it. It's a chicken and egg type of thing, like who's first? So just trying to uh, almost pitch this stuff like a sales guy like, you guys have to see how cool this is. FOMO, FOMO into the Slack. <laughs> um, so I'm glad. It seems to be a trend now that we're getting closer. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I have to say, you know, Lightning has, it's been, it's been talked about for so long. Um, and I used to, I used to joke, it was kind of like the, the ancient aliens guy, you know, just Lightning Network is the, <laughs> the, you know, explanation for everything. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it, it really has only been in the last couple of months that it seems like Lightning Network is truly becoming real. Um, and that, that has, I think, been a, a major shift in the mindset um, where it has gone from this thing that we like to talk about it. And now uh, we've actually been able to see. Um, and now is everyone's chance to actually, you know, stop just talking about it and, and really go uh, test it out for themselves and, and start building. Um, there's, mm-hmm. there's not that that huge technical gap anymore where you have to, you have to know how to set up all this stuff. You have to know how to work with the command line. It's like right now you can just, I mean, there's a, there's a couple things you need to do to get uh, something set up. For the most part, we have a slick interface made by Jack Mahler's that you can work with. Yeah. And we'll start publishing builds where people won't even have to compile L and D and uh, we'll get there. We'll get there for sure. Awesome. How, how big would you say your, your team is now? Or the uh, circle of people working on this? Um, so there are two designers that I love working with. I highly recommend them in the space for any users listening. Uh, their company is called Mason. And uh, Brandon and Afnan are two designers that I work with. And then uh, there's one other dev, uh, but he doesn't actually work on Zap's core code. He kind of just helps test and works on, I think he's working on a WordPress plugin. A lot of his videos, people seem to have been enjoying. Uh, Jao is his name. Um, and I'm the only dev at the moment. So, yeah, Jao helps me test a lot of the stuff. At the moment, I'm the only developer, although that's starting to change. And then um, there's a few designers that help me think through user experience and different types of product ideas. His uh, WooCommerce video, uh, that also mm-hmm. helped really uh, stoke some FOMO into me. Yeah, yeah. He's been posting some good stuff and doing some good work. So Michael mentioned that there was the first mainnet uh, use of Lightning. And so when you open up Zap today, by default, it is on testnet. So that means that uh, people have to get their hands on testnet coins. Correct, yeah. There's some faucets out there. I think the mainnet video... Uh, was just to kind of give the community a status update. 
um, uh, just to show, be a little bit transparent on, you know, public social media. Um, but it is highly, highly, highly recommended by everyone involved in Lightning to stay on testnet um, and play around and poke things. There's bug fixes every day um, and, you know, new bugs every day. Uh, but yeah, there's plenty of faucets um, for testnet coins. Is it feasible? Would it be feasible to have a lightning faucet or does that not work because both sides have to put up money? No, there actually is a lightning faucet that's hosted by Roast Beef and Lightning Labs. Uh, I wish I knew the URL off the top of my head, but it is on their uh, lightning website. So, Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Cool. Yeah, I'll make sure I get it to you. Awesome. So uh, a question I had for you was uh, earlier you mentioned that, um, for instance, a node has to be online in order to accept payments. Um, what other drawbacks exist in the Lightning Network that are, are either just kind of inherent flaws, you know, trade-offs we have to deal with, things that could be better? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me think about that. So there's certainly some assumptions that are being made that haven't been tested on mainnet. I think that they're pretty safe assumptions, but for example, I don't know if anyone has any real idea how much a multi-hop payment is going to cost. So any node can get on the network and route payments. So I don't think lightning payments will be expensive, but you know, the idea of multi-hopping six times, you know, is that going to be efficient and exp- and like, you know, very cheap? Uh, like we all hope and dream. I'm not totally sure. Uh, or the network topology. So there will certainly be lots of more connected nodes than others. I would hope that, you know, if Square or some Coinbase adopts Lightning, that they're more connected than the node that's running in my apartment on my laptop, right? But we do want to have this type of, you know, scale-free network, and we do want to have this network effect where people are incentivized to just come on the network and join, and that it it's not it doesn't turn into a network where we're all kind of routing payments through these central third parties. So I, th- I think it's more just assumptions that need to be tested out and played with on mainnet with real money and real use cases. Yeah, I know some people worry about the the, the idea of having hubs. Um, they think that that will lead to centralization. There's there's fears of them. I've actually heard claims of, of fractional reserves via Lightning, but I never quite picked up how you would manage to do that since everything is backed up by the chain. Yeah, the whole hub in Spoke, like, RBTC, I don't want to point fingers, but anyways, it, it's an old idea. We, we don't actually need to utilize hub and spokes to route, you know, multi-op payments anymore. Any node on the network, you know, given the fact that they have two channels, right? Like, so that they're, you know, connected to the network, essentially it takes two channels, uh, can route payments. So also this is a very important idea for people that think, you know, uh, routing nodes can make a lot of money or, you know, I can connect to everyone, be more of a centralized hub and, you know, profit from routing everyone's payments. The fact that anyone can come online, anyone can route a payment and the cost uh, to get on the network is virtually zero. Literally download free software and spin it up. I think fees will be low and you, you will have hundreds of routing options. You can choose, you know, whichever. So the whole, you know, we're going to have to go through Chase Bank and Coinbase to pay for lightning payments i certainly don't understand it yeah it, it, it does sound like it just as you said because it, it truly is peer-to-peer mm-hmm. there might be some you know people who are highly connected and they they offer value but the network as a whole would be very highly competitive and so even when those people are centralizing it's it's not merely because they're 
they're able to to corner the market and exploit them. It's more that perhaps they have some actual real service that brings value to people and makes it worth it. Correct. Exactly. It's I'm glad you pointed that out too because it is such a sliding scale. If you want, you know, the best form of decentralized payment in valuing and escrowing money that we know of, that is a Bitcoin transaction. And there are some inefficiencies that come with that though. And we all know them well at this point. If you're willing to you know, slide the scale just a tiny bit and come off chain, um, you may route through a highly connected node. Um, some of your transactions may go through Coinbase um, as they route payments to the network. But it's a sliding, decentralization is a sliding scale. It's not like a Boolean value, right? So, And it's also, it's also more of a, a tool. You know, the, the, the goal is censorship mm-hmm. resistance and decentralization is, is a tool rather than... Uh, you know, the ultimate thing else, else we just go down a, a rabbit hole of, of, you know, decentralize all the things, which sounds nice, but uh, at some point doesn't actually even make sense. Michael, did you have any other questions? Um, well, I guess uh, the biggest one, you know, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, what you can do to go, you know, learn more from the people. But, you know, if I want to sit down and, and uh, learn about how lightning works like are there are there written resources anywhere that you especially recommend uh people go read yeah um so are for the technical users i would go read the bolts um the lightning specifications they're on github um there's a link to them in the lnd readme um but i'm sure they're also linked elsewhere uh, those walk through, you know, the specs of the protocol and, you know, how messages are handled, how relationships in the network are handled, how nodes talk to each other, how to manage channel state, all of that good stuff. Uh, it's really good documentation. It's still being updated, just like everything else. Um, but I would I would go there and that'll get your hands dirty for sure. You'll have plenty of questions after five minutes. Awesome. And when they have those questions, they can go on Twitter and hit you up. What's your uh, Twitter handle? Uh, just my name. Yeah, just my name, Jack Mallers. Uh, I hang out on the internet all day. So Lightning Slacks, Zap Slacks, Core Slacks, uh, IRC, and Twitter. Uh, you can ping me. And I think I speak for everyone in the Lightning community pretty safely. You feel free to ping them as well. Awesome, Jack. Thank you for coming on the show. I think that our audience really is going to learn a lot today about what Lightning is all about and what you've been working on with your Zap wallet. So, uh, yeah, we our show relies on having high quality guests, and uh, I think we had a high quality guest today. I mean, it's exciting. It is truly an honor. I look up to you guys on Twitter and on the internet for a long time. So it was great to actually meet you over video and. Uh, Talk to all the listeners. It was fun. Awesome. We'll we'll meet and have a steak dinner soon in person, I'm sure. Yes, sir. All right. It's great talking to you, Jack. You know what you're supposed to do? Guess what? We all know what we're supposed to do. We all know what's going to improve our station in life and what's going to make it worse. Why aren't you doing the things that you're supposed to do? Question. I don't know. Now you got a man. I actually do know. You want to know why? Because you lack the discipline. You lack the discipline to do the things you know you're supposed to do. Don't. Oh, you might also lack the fear. It's like it actually matters if you don't do it. It matters if you leave things undone. You leave the world in an uncompleted state, and it hurts. It hurts you, it hurts your family, it hurts your society, and it hurts the world. So if you're laying there being useless and not getting at it, then you're contributing to the catastrophe, and it's that simple. So it actually matters if you do it. And I think sometimes people don't do it because they don't understand that. 
you know, they're they're down on themselves. They don't think they matter. It's like you matter a lot more than you think you you do. And actually, that's rather frightening, you know, because you think, well, wouldn't it be nice if everybody mattered? It's like you got to think that through. If what you do matters, you better look out. So get at it because you're going to pay for it if you don't.